Good morning. It's good to be in the Lord's house. Amen. Today I'm going to be speaking about living water, and uh, this is uh, I, I'm coming in, into the near uh, near the end of sanctification in my notes that I've been putting together for this series. And anyway, this is towards the end. I think maybe I've got one more left, maybe two. Anyway, today is uh, living water. We're going to be talking about living water as far as our sanctification is concerned. And that's what we'll be covering. Um, Everybody knows, especially in West Texas, everybody knows, especially in West Texas, it gets really hot, right? Yeah, it gets very hot. And so we do some of the work outside and that, that kind of thing. Maybe you're in the oil patch or maybe just in your yard doing some work and and, uh, after you get out there in the heat you certainly need some water don't you you need something to drink and uh, what I just want to say is you can get quite a thirst especially out here in West Texas I I, I didn't come I'm not from here but um, I can just tell you that that there's some definite things that we need to do to to quench our thirst one of them one of them and this is not a paid advertisement but one of them is uh, to quench our incredible thirst, um, we can just go over to Carambas. <laughs> and um, when we go to Carambas, um, man, I got stuff coming out here. <sighs> Needed my glasses, not mints. Um, but when we go to Carambas, um, they have this big old glass of iced tea, a huge iced tea, and they have they have excellent service. And so when you're really thirsty and uh, all of that, they'll just keep coming and they'll refill that tea and it's fresh, and um, I can go there and drink four or five of their big glasses of tea after working in the yard. And uh, so anyway, um, Caramba's ought to give me a free meal after that, right? How many people have ever been there? <laughs> um, Russell, I, I don't see Russell in here, but um, <laughs> see, um, <laughs> uh, Russell's the one that, that turned me on to that place, and, and uh, they, they, they do. But now... Um, we're, that's what we're going to be talking about today is spiritual thirst. And, and we get the physical thirst. And physical thirst, when Jesus talks about physical thirst, he's not just talking about us just being thirsty, but he talks about how the flesh can't satisfy. The flesh can't satisfy um, like, like the Spirit of God can. And the Spirit of God, when we're made alive and we live spiritually, um, our thirst, there is a thirst that we, that we need quenched in our souls. Everybody needs that. Uh, before we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, there's an insatiable thirst and people try to take care of their thirst in a lot of different ways but the only way that that we can solve it is through Jesus Christ and salvation amen but but get this everybody not only that as a Christian uh, we have that that continual taking care of our thirst when we rely on Jesus and so that's what we're going to be talking about today um, now the Word of God says that that uh, God takes the the foolish to confound the wise and, and, we, and maybe you're familiar with that verse about uh, how he takes the foolish to confound the wise. A lot of, a lot of people now in the American church especially, uh, as far as the American church is concerned, we think, well, if there's a professional athlete and they become a Christian, um, as, a, as a professional athlete and a Christian, we, we put them on a book, and he writes a book or she writes a book. And, uh, and, and it's like, oh, they're, they're not only are they a professional athlete, but they're a Christian, so we're supposed to be... Uh, okay, well, maybe being a Christian is okay, or maybe if there's a movie star that comes out and says that they're a Christian. I haven't seen one of those in a while. But anyway, um, you know, we, we really think that's really something. Or a politician. And uh, and so a lot of times in, in American Christianity, we think that in order to actually uh, make Christianity and, and, and serving God valid, we need somebody famous to make it valid. But the Bible tells us that Jesus chose the foolish to confound the wise. And so I just want to tell you, we don't need famous politicians. We don't need famous actors and actresses. We don't need famous athletes to make Christ valid. What we need is to, to quench our spiritual thirst that we have for Jesus Christ. That's what we need, and that's what everybody needs. And so that, that's what we'll be looking at today. Um, you know, when we look at those, uh, those that confounded the, the mighty, uh, the foolish that confounded the mighty, when we look at that, um, basically, what did Jesus do? Well, the first thing that we see that, that they did is they obeyed Jesus. He said, take up your cross and follow me. And, he, and in one case, he said, drop your nets and follow me. And so obedience was the first thing that we see in the Word of God that, that Jesus did as far as providing spiritual water uh, is actually obeying his command to take him up on his offer 
uh, as far as that's concerned and, and seeing what Jesus has to offer. And then, uh, not only did they obey him, but then Jesus trained them. After they obeyed him, then he started training them. And he, and he fed them with spiritual water. Spiritual water. I, I know that in, in a lot of times in the Bible we, we talk about some of these uh, things like spiritual water or something like that. Oh, that's just a figure of speech. I want to just tell you right now, our soul has a constant thirsting for the Word of God. It's a real thing. It's a real phenomena. And we need to actually uh, have Jesus in our, in our soul, have the Spirit of God working in us. And when we do, we, we actually quench that thirst. And we see a lot of people that try to take care of it in other ways. That's for sure. They try to take care of it in other ways. But you know, the Word of God tells us, listen to this, the Word of God tells us that those uh, people that just obeyed and they were trained and, and they shared the gospel to different people after they were trained, the Bible tells us they turned the world upside down. But they didn't turn the world upside down by their brilliance. They turned the world upside down with the message of the gospel. And that's, the, that's taking care of the thirst that this world has to offer. And so in, in their world, and, and the way that they set it up is they quenched a spiritual thirst with people and turned the world upside down as far as that's concerned. Now, I just want to say this. Not only do we need our spiritual thirst quenched individually, but as a church, here at Alamo Heights Baptist Church, uh, we, as a, as a group of people, uh, as we come together, uh, we need to quench our spiritual thirst. That's part of what we're doing here. I'm going to ask you to look at Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17. And looking at these verses here in, in Revelation chapter 3, 17 through 20, if you're taking notes, that's going to be the first set of verses that I use. This particular set of verses here is to the Laodicean church. The Laodicean church. And so what we see, and I think what we see uh, with the seven churches in Revelation and that we see in this particular place is we see a, a group of churches, seven churches, and I think that represents churches throughout time. And one of the things that we can do is we can look at these different churches and we can find our own church as far as our behaviors and those things are concerned. Now listen to Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. The Word of God says, For you say, I'm rich. So here we, I just got to stop here and say, this church here, uh, God's telling them that this church here is saying, we're rich. Um, and that doesn't mean they, they won the lottery. Did you hear the lottery? I guess it was Friday was like almost like almost $800 million or something like that. Well, it, we're not talking about that kind of rich. Uh, not at all. Uh, somebody at the church of Laodicea didn't win uh, the mega ball or whatever it's called. Uh, that, that's not what happened. But what we see here is God says, you say I'm rich and I have become wealthy and need nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And so the first thing that we see here in this verse here is the Word of God and God telling this particular church, you think you're doing just fine. You think you're doing just fine because uh, maybe they had everything that they needed. Maybe they had new carpet. Maybe they had new flooring and, and a repaved parking lot. And they had new air conditioners. And, and they were doing just fine. And they were doing these things in their own power. And that's what we see here is they, they thought that they were doing just fine, doing things in their own power and the way that they, they thought it should be doing. But, but God tells them, you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich. Truly rich, by the way. That's me adding that in there. White clothes so that you may be dressed and your shameful nakedness not be exposed an ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be zealous and repent. See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. Now, just stopping there and looking at that last verse there, it's important for us to see that what Jesus wants to do. Jesus wanted to come in and hang out with that church. That's what he wanted to do. That was his desire. It's his desire to want to be here with us, isn't it? It's his desire to want to work through us. But they had a problem. They had a problem. And their problem was, is they didn't think they really needed Jesus in there. They had everything covered. I mean, we can come in here and we can preach a message and, and really feel good and, and use Bible verses even. But if we don't have that spiritual water actually flowing through us and working through us, we actually, uh, thinking we're doing well, are not doing well 
at all. One of the things that we see in here is that, that he, needed, he said that they needed gold refined with fire. And so um, what he was saying to them is they needed things through the Spirit of God. And they needed, uh, like, like for example, when we looked at gold and it's refined, we see that all the impurities are out of it. And he was telling that church, you needed cleansing where you, what, what this gold refined with fire is something that is, is making you pure. And so there needs to be those things worked out. And he was telling this church that they had some things that needed to be worked out. And so when we talk about sanctification, we talk about the fact that spiritual waters, as the Spirit of God works through us, it cleans us up and, 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 and as a human being and also as a church, I will say. And then another thing that he mentioned that we've got to talk about is this white raiment. He said you needed white clothing to cover your nakedness. And what it's basically saying there is a covering over their sin with God's righteousness. He was saying to this church that, church, even though you think you're doing just fine, there's sin that needs to be cleansed out of your lives. And this is all of us, isn't it? I mean, I would like to sit here and pretend like uh, I'm rich and everything's just fine and we don't need anything, but we need God every moment of our lives, don't we? And so when we talk about sanctification, we, we are made righteous through Jesus Christ. And when we're made righteous, it's not just enough to say, well, I've been born again, but we need God working in our lives and working through our church on a constant and continual basis. Amen? And then the next thing that we see there that, that we need to talk about is the eye salve for the eyes. The eye salve for the eyes. Why? We need to, instead of just looking through our physical, fleshly eyes, we need to look with our spiritual eyes and see, the way, see things the way that God uh, wants us to see these things and, and see spiritually rather than tainted flesh. We have a way of looking at life. We have a way of looking at the way that we go about our every day from a physical standpoint. And, and that's necessary. Like, for example, if you're driving down the road, it's, it's a good idea to have your eyes open, right? And, and, and especially in Midland. Um, but, but anyhow, um, we need spiritual sight. And that comes from that spiritual living water that Jesus provides. In other words, salvation. Amen? But salvation is not just enough to say I'm born again, but salvation is something that continually flows through us. And we'll talk more about that as we go. And then another one was restoration through correction. Restoration through correction. He said, he said to them that, that um, they needed to be zealous and repent. There needed to be a zeal about the repentance. There needed to be a zeal about their, their need for God. The, a zeal. Be zealous. And when we think about a thirst, and like, for example, if you had been working out in your, your yard all day long here in West Texas, uh, you have a very voracious thirst, don't you? And that's what it's talking about. Jesus is telling this church at Laodicea, you need a very strong zeal for repentance. There needs to be a desire for repentance. And what that shows when we have a strong desire for repentance is we have a strong realization that we need Jesus and we need those sins out of our lives and we need His power working in us. And we need it more than we know. And that's what He's telling this particular church here that they need. Now, one of the ways that we actually live spiritual thirst is through this thing called abundant living. And Jesus says that, that, that we can, when we're saved in John 10, John 10, 10, that we can have life and more abundantly. And that's not just going to heaven and not just being born again, but it's something that works in our lives on a continual basis. This is what Jesus wants us to do. And so whenever we quench that spiritual thirst with the Word of God and walking in God's Spirit on a continual basis... We actually are not talking about just living a life and getting through it, but we're talking about an abundant life, one where our thirst is quenched. How many people do we know that walk around every day of their lives with, and, 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 and it's obvious that they're thirsting for, for Jesus? It's obvious that they are. And then we share the gospel with them, and they go, I'm sorry, I don't want to hear it. It's like, you, you, you don't want to have this thirst that you have quenched? You don't want it quenched? And they don't know what you're talking about because uh, this is something that only God can do. Amen? It's a desperate need that we all have, and this is what we're talking about, a desperate need that we all have, a desperate thirst, thirsting for God and, and His righteousness that we have. And this is what Jesus is saying, that He can solve this with living water. The next place that I want to look at is in John chapter 7, John chapter 7 and verse 37 and 38. Look at John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. John 37 says this, On the last 
and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and he cried out. Now, you just got to imagine this. Can you imagine Jesus walking up in the middle of a crowd and just crying out what you're getting ready to hear? Listen to this. He walked up and he said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within. What Jesus was telling them is, if you would come to him and put your trust in him, he was telling the people, if you'll put your trust in me and walk with me and let me be your savior, that the spirit of God will come in you and and, and flow through your life like living water that just flows from your life. Abundance and and joy and peace amongst uh, a desperate time. I think that Jesus was looking at the crowd and they had been going through these religious practices all the time. And the religious practices was not solving it. There was still an anxiety there. There's an anxiety in the soul of every person whenever we don't have the living water flowing through us and we're just living and taking care of our our spiritual thirst with physical things. Amen? And so Jesus is talking about a peace that only God can supply. A peace that only God can supply. But but a peace that only God can supply. I want to talk about this just for a moment. God, Jesus talks about he's the good shepherd. And in one case he talks about he's, the, he's the, the keeper of the gate. He's the keeper of the gate. There it is. That is a sheep pen right there. And you see the opening right there? Uh, one of the things that happens in that case there, whenever Jesus talks about he's the keeper of the gate, he's talking about he's the shepherd, and they would bring the sheep at night when they would bring them in, they would put them in a pen like that to protect them from the wolves. And the shepherd himself would literally lay in that opening right there. He would literally lay in that opening. And so nothing could come in, you know, except that they would have to go through the shepherd. Now you say, well, I hope the shepherd's really one bad dude, right? He's one bad dude. Well, Jesus is one bad dude, pardon the expression. And when we belong to him and we're under his care, that's what we're talking about with getting our spiritual thirst taken care of. Some of the things that Jesus says that, that we need to talk about just really quickly, one of the things is, is he says he's the bread of life. And whenever we have that bread of life, we will never hunger. And so when he says he's the bread of life and we'll never hunger, he's saying that there is a hungering for righteousness. Every lost soul has a hungering deep down in their soul. And, and they don't even always know what it is. And that's why we share the gospel with people, right? That's why we share the gospel. But he says... We're the, he's the bread of life and we'll never hunger. So as much as we think that we need to take care of whatever that hunger is in our soul, Jesus is the answer for that. He's the answer for that. And then another one that we see here is that when, like all, what we're looking at today is if we believe, we never thirst. Whenever we really put our trust in him, we won't have a thirsting. And whenever he's working in our life, we won't have a thirsting in our soul for other things, that, that he will be the one that will take care of it. We might put other things there, but we'll always find ourselves incomplete unless he's taking care of that, that thirst. He says he's the light of the world so that we can uh, walk in darkness. We walk in a dark world, and we talked about that last week where our eye was the, the, the gate where, where Jesus would shine down into our souls and light up those dark places to expose the sin in our lives. And we talked about that last week. And we see that Jesus says he's the light of the world. He's the one that will actually light up our path and show us the way to go. That demonstrates a continual walking with him to take care of our soul. And and then we see uh, walking in the light of life, the word of God says. Walking is an ongoing thing. And therefore, we, we see that walking in the light of life. And then we see, like he says, he is the gate that we enter through. He's the gate that we enter through. He's the one that whenever we're saved, we walk through that gate and we go through Jesus and He lets us in and He protects us. And that's where we are with Him. He is that that gatekeeper. And one of the things that He says, if we were to go and look at all that, one of the things that He tells us in the Word of God is, um, if a shepherd's just a hireling and the wolf comes, he'll take off running. But He says, He's the good shepherd and He's not going anywhere. And that's our Savior, brothers and sisters. That's our Savior. There's nothing getting through to us when He's our gatekeeper. That's why we need to stay within the confines of His protection. Amen? And then He says, He's the way, the truth, and the life. 
And no man can come to the Father but through Him. That's one of the things also that Jesus says. And when we look at that, He doesn't say He's one of many ways. He says He is the way. He doesn't say He's uh, truth amongst many truths. He says He is the truth. And then He says He's the life. And He's not like uh, well, I, one choice of life. He is the life. There is no life outside of Jesus Christ. And that's one of the reasons why we share the gospel with people. And, and everybody thinks that there's all kinds of ways to live. But there's only one way to live within the confines of the protection of a holy God. And that's through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, so we look at these things, we look at some of these things, and there's a lot more in the Bible. And these aren't just Jesus' uh, giving us opportunities to make some cool bumper stickers to put on the back of our car or to make some really nice Christian T-shirts, right? We'll put some of these sayings on a, on a T-shirt with a clever little picture and we'll walk around and we'll have a neat uh, idea and a neat feeling for a T-shirt. It's more than that. Jesus is really trying to demonstrate some very important truths to us about how we really tie into him. I hope that we can all see that. I hope that we all can see that. Now, the next place that I want to go, and I'm just thinking about that, go to John chapter 10. Go with me to John chapter 10. And let's look at verse 7. John chapter 10 and verse 7. I want to read to you John chapter 10, 7 through 14, and then I'm going to read another uh, set of verses in John before we go any further. In John chapter 10, verse 7, this is Jesus talking about being the good shepherd. In John chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus said again, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. He says, I assure you, He is the door. And so if we belong to Jesus, He is the door. There is no other. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, for the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone uh, enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and, and, and go out and find pasture. We will be under His care. Brothers and sisters, that's not a crutch. That's a necessity for life. That's a way of us getting that thirsting in our souls quenched. It goes on, he goes on and says, A thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He's saying that there's a lot of other things out there that are ready to destroy the sheep. They're, out, they're ready to destroy us. But he's the way that, that, that we have life, abundant life. And what I'm asking you today, and, and, and yeah, this is maybe an ask of faith, but trust Him. Give Jesus control of your life. Not just uh, be born again, but let Him be the, uh, the, the main thing in, in everything that you do. Because He says that it will be abundant. That's a promise. Brothers and sisters, that is a promise. That's not just a nice saying. And we need that. That's what we need. He says that He has come that we may have life and have it in abundance. He goes on and says, He is the good shepherd. The good sheep shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep. He looks out for us. He takes care of us. Brothers and sisters, he's the one that will take care of this thirst that we have every moment of our lives as we look at this. And then he goes on and says, The hired man, since he is not the shepherd, doesn't own the sheep, leaves them, and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired man and does not care about the sheep. He's talking about those other things out there in the world. There's other things out there in the world that promise satisfaction. But they will leave you high and dry. They will leave you thirsty. They will leave you hanging. They will leave you in danger. He is the way to actually have this way through life and into eternity. And then in verse, uh, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. One of the things I've got to say that Jesus is saying is when Jesus is our Savior, He knows who we are. But not only does He know who we are, we know who He is also. One of the trademarks of a Christian is, we know who Jesus is. We know where to go to to get our thirst quenched. Amen? And then here's, here's another one that, that we're going to look at today. Uh, drop over to John chapter 4 and look at verse 13. John chapter 4 and verse 13. Here's some more uh, illustrations that kind of go along with what we're talking about today. In John chapter 4, verse 13, Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water, and he's talking to this uh, woman at the well here, he says, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. He's talking about everybody that drinks from the things of this world. I know he's using the illustration of a physical water. We all know 
that if I was to go to Karambas to, to quench my thirst, that I would probably have to go back. Not only would I have to go back for some more iced tea, I'd probably have to have another taco. Right? I'd probably have to have another, another taco as far as that's concerned. But he's talking about all of these things that are out there in this world that promise satisfaction for our souls. It's going to leave us thirsting for more. But he's saying that when we put our, our reliance on him, that he takes care of it from then on. Now drop down to verse 23. In verse 23 he says, But an hour is coming, and an now is here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. One of the ways that we have this spiritual uh, water taking care of us on a continual basis is we become what he's calling true worshipers. A true worshiper is someone that raises their hands when we sing a song, right? Uh, no, that, that's one way of worshiping, but a true worshiper is more than that. A true worshiper is the one that it has Jesus in control of their life, every moment of their life. And that's why he talks about a spiritual water ever flowing. We're always walking with him, and he's always taking care of our thirst. And he's saying here, the hour is coming and is now here where it's time for us to become true worshipers. People really living for Jesus. He really is uh, the, the, the problem solver. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if we're going to be a true worshiper, listen to what he says. If we're going to be a true worshiper, we have to do it in spirit and in truth. That means, number one, that we need to be, number one, spiritually alive. If you're not spiritually alive and haven't tasted of the living water, you can't be a worshiper. You can actually say that you're doing something like that, but the only way that a person can worship God is to be spiritually alive. And do you see the other one? The other one is truth. That means we're spiritually alive, and then we have to continue to worship Him with the truth of God's Word. We need to be in God's Word, obeying God's Word, doing what God tells us. And when we do this, we become true worshipers. So it's time for us to become true worshipers, right? That's what he was telling the, the church at Laodicea. He said, hey, you guys think you're really big-time worshipers, and really, you're very poor. And we want to be very rich in Christ. Verse 25, The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Listen to what he says to her. He says, I am he, Jesus told her, the one speaking to you. He is the one. He is the way, the truth, the life. He is the one that promises that spiritual uh, water satisfaction that we so desperately need. This is what our soul craves for. This is what my soul craves for. This is what your soul craves for. This is what the souls of every person in this world craves for, whether they know it or not. Which leads me to my second point this morning. My second point this morning is that faith brings uh, this water to one's lips. Faith brings water to one's lips. Hang on just a sec. That's refreshing. Did you see what just happened there? I was thirsty. And by faith, I lifted this cup up, and there was water in there. What do you know? And I put it to my lips, and I drank it. That's what faith is. Faith is actually taking Jesus up on his offer and allowing it to come into your life. That's what it is. That's what we need to do. It's just that simple, and yet it's just that complicated, because some people are like going, uh, no. When it's just as simple as saying, yes, I, by faith accept that. And so faith brings this living water to our lips. That's what faith does. Now, to, to kind of demonstrate this, I'm go, we're going to look at the story of the prodigal son. We're going to look at just a portion of the, of the prodigal son, which we find in Luke chapter 15 and verse 16 through 24. Luke 15, 16 through 24. How many people are acquainted with the, 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 the story of the prodigal son? Raise your hand. Just about everybody. What we see here, for, for those that aren't acquainted with it, what we see in the, to set this story up is we see uh, Jesus telling a story. It's a story about a son who has everything. And he decides he wants to leave home and go out and do his own thing. Yeah, even, even in Bible times they have situations like this. It's not just some of our kids now. It's the way kids have been throughout time, evidently, because it's a story that, that we see. Not all kids, but some of them. And this one particular one here said, I want my inheritance. 
and I want to go do my own thing. And so Jesus uses this story to share a lot of spiritual truths to us, and I'm going to use it today to share a little bit of spiritual truth with us as well. Luke 15:16 says, He longed to eat his fill, the, the prodigal son. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that pigs were eating. Why was he longing to eat with the pigs? Because he ran out of his inheritance. His father had given him everything that he needed for life, but yet he wanted his own thing. And then he went out there and he had a great time like a lot of people do. And the next thing you know is he was out of money. He was out of money. He was out of everything. And the next thing you know we see here, he's slopping with the pigs. Can you imagine getting to that point? I want to tell you, that's one of the things that happens with even with Christians. Is we think, I don't need this spiritual water. I've been born again. I'm good. And what happens is, they do their own thing and they go on their own reliance. And the next thing that you know, they're in a mess. Now this also, this demonstrates two spiritual truths. It demonstrates a spiritual truth to the person that has everything, being born again, and then going to the bottom. But it also demonstrates where the lost person is. They think that they've got everything their own way, and they end up slopping with the pigs. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. But this particular guy, he longed to eat with his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one would give him anything. He couldn't even get that. That's going to the bottom, isn't it? How many times, and I mean, I think about my own life. Have you ever been to the bottom? Sometimes we get all the way down to the bottom and there's nowhere to look but up. And that's where we really cry out to God and realize, man, I'm, I am so spiritually thirsty. I am so spiritually hungry. But nobody could take care of this longing. And I just want to tell you, there's nothing out there that can take care of that longing except the Father. And that's another one of the spiritual truths that's there. But no one would give him anything. When he, comes, when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, and that is a very important statement, when he came to his, his senses, how many people walk out there thinking, I got my own thing going, I don't need Jesus. Well, what needs to happen is they need to come to their senses. And that's what the Spirit of God says to each and every person. It's not, it's not an attack on the people. It's a necessity for every one of us. We all needed to come to our senses. And if we're walking away from God right now, we need to come to our senses. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have had more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. He was saying that the guys that worked for his dad had more than he had at this point. And he says, here I am, dying of hunger, and I had everything. He says, I'll get up, and I'll go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up, and he went to his father. He realized he had gotten down to the bottom when he was slopping with the pigs. And he said, I'll just go back to my dad, and when I go back to my dad... Um, man, I'll just work for him. I've lost everything, but at least I'll get to eat something besides pig slop, right? Now, I know the pig slop is my own addition in there. Um, so he got up and he went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And I want to tell you this right now, brothers and sisters, as we look at this, this is the heart of our God. This is the heart of our God that he's sharing with us here. Our God's saying He doesn't want us slopping with the pigs. But what you also see is He's like going, if that's what you want to do, you can do it, but i got something better for you. But all the time that the son had decided he wanted something else, the father was looking down the road hoping that he would come to his senses. Because we see that his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran. And he threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fatted calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with the feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. In other words, the father was going, Hey, what I want you to do is just to to come back to, to me and, and, and to the surroundings here that take care of us. And this is what our God says to every one of us. He's saying, walk with me, live with me, trust me, and let's live life together and it will be abundant. And it's a promise. It's a promise that we see throughout the Word of God. 
It's what we need. And yet we're so much, so many times, we're, we're like this guy. But I've just got to say this again. He came to his senses. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today and, you, and you've strayed away. And, and we all have our times where we, we get weak, right? It's, what that says to us is not keep going and keep destroying and, and keep going down this destructive road, but it's saying come back to your senses. But it's also saying if you've been living life and you've been saying, I don't need Jesus, I, I don't need the Father, I don't need it. It's time to come to your senses. And that's what the Word of, word of God is saying. What a mess sin makes. Sin makes a mess. And that's what we see with the pigs. We see that sin put him in the pig pen. That's what sin does to every person. That's why we need to trust Jesus. You know, you say so you're the you're the preacher and you just want us to you just want us to come to church and, and that kind of thing. Man, I want you to do more and come to church. I want you to experience this abundant life that God's talking about in his word. Don't you want that? You don't need some preacher to tell you that. There's something in your soul that thirsts for this. Right? That's what the Word of God's telling us. You know, I think that when we look at this guy, I think we're looking at a safe person, but we can also look at this guy and you can see the plight of the lost as well, as far as looking at truth as, as far as that's concerned. You know, but I'll say this, certainly a saved person, a born-again person, if they get down there with the pigs, they think, there's something wrong here. I'm a human being. Those are pigs all around me. This is slop. And our Father's got something so much better. And so I want to say, when a Christian gets down here, a Christian goes, this is foreign territory. But also, one of the spiritual truths that we see in this story is, uh, the other person, they don't know the difference. They don't know what the goodness of salvation is. They just know that there's a thirst somewhere, and that's why we need to share the gospel and go, hey, the gospel tells these people, the Spirit of God tells people, hey, you're down here in the pig pen. I know. There's maybe somebody sitting out here right now that says, I don't like that. I don't appreciate you saying that. I just, I'm just saying it because I know that before I was born again, before I was saved, before Jesus saved my life, changed my life, that's where I was. You were eating with pig, pretty much. Nothing was coming out of it. Nothing good about it. And when I was saved, I found out a difference. And that's what's being said in this story here. Whether you like the illustration or not, there it is. You know, just like the, the living water, the slopping with the pigs is a real illustration also. There's nothing good that can come out of it. That's why we see verses like John 3:15 and 16. So that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. Jesus doesn't want anybody down there. He doesn't want anybody down there. He wants us way up above that. For God so loved the world in this way that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That spiritual water that takes care of that spiritual thirst that everybody's craving for. And He says, do you see it? Everyone, whosoever, that's you, that's me, that's your neighbors, that's your mom, your dad, your kids, uh, your neighbor, everybody, all the people at every school, everybody, everyone, born again. Wouldn't that be something? And that's Jesus' desire. And that's what the spiritual water does, is it flows through their souls and makes them fresh, clean, and new. Romans chapter 4, verse 5 says, But to the one who does not work, but believes on him, justifies the ungodly. His faith is credited for him for righteousness. It says, for the one who does not work but believes on him. Just let it pour down into your soul. Amen? Which leads to my last point today, the promise of living water. You know, Jesus said, and we looked at it, he said, I promise streams of living water flowing from within. Streams flowing from within. Streams flowing from within. Something really hard to get acquainted with with a uh, only having two inches of rain this whole year. It's not like we've gone across a couple bridges and go, well, look at that flowing river. Man, it's just uh, it's about to come over the banks. And that kind of thing. It's, we're going through a dry spell out here in West Texas, aren't we? 
But what he says here is the person who is in Christ and the person that trusts Christ and walks with him has streams of flowing water. Do you see it? It's ongoing. And he says it will never run dry. We can see it all dry up here in West Texas, but spiritually speaking, it never runs dry when we're with Jesus. This is a, this is something so much better than just depending on our own abilities. Did you hear what I said? I'm talking about something so much better than just depending on our own abilities to take care of our, our own lives. This is talking about really trusting Jesus as a born-again person and giving Him control of, uh, of your life and see what it, where it takes you. You say, if I do that, then I, I don't go to work, I don't do anything, I just give Him control? No. We actually start going, where do you want me to work? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? What does God's Word say? How do I go about it? And what happens is abundance. What happens is abundance. You say, you mean I'll never have any problems? No, you'll have problems because we have this flesh, but we will also help through these problems where you didn't have it before. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 talks about something that, that we need to talk about here, and that's having the kingdom dream. The kingdom dream. Why do I say the kingdom dream? I say the kingdom dream because everybody knows if I was to say, we want the American dream. You heard that before? We hear it all the time. The American dream, that means if we work hard and do our best and give everything that we got, we can live the American dream. If we mind our P's and Q's. Well, that's the American dream. I want to talk about the kingdom dream. It's bigger than the American dream. It's bigger than the, the American dream. You say, no, no, it's not. Yes, it is. It lasts forever. And it supersedes the American dream. Actually, whenever we follow Jesus, He takes care of everything that we need. And I don't have to worry about some American dream. I can worry about Jesus' dream for our eternity and our souls and our lives. Not cutting the American dream down, by the way. Somebody may be sitting out there right now. He's not very patriotic. I, I'm more patriotic than a lot of people that you'll meet, I promise. I, I love this country, but, but I, I understand this country only as a, a country that goes somewhere when it's a country under uh, God's rule. That's as good as it gets right there. Anything less is not good enough. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. It says His divine power, His divine power, His living water gives us everything required for life and godliness. It's the package deal. Pardon the expression. By these He has given us very great, Peter says, very great and precious promises. These are promises. And he says, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. Peter says that, that when we uh, drink of the living water and we're born again, that living water flows through our lives. And, and, and that's, that's what the divine nature. That's the Spirit of God working in our lives. And, and when we do this, it says here that, that we actually through this divine nature we, that we share in. We share it with God. We escape corruption. In other words, we don't thirst anymore spiritually. We don't go around going, man, I need something, I need something, I need something, I'm so thirsty for something. You got it. You got it. And so, when we talk about uh, the kingdom dream, so to speak, we're not talking about a worldly plan of living, we're talking about living with living water flowing through our lives. We're talking about living the abundant life, as far as that's concerned. What I want to tell you is we no longer have to live on pig slop. And if you're living on pig slop, there's something better. Look around you and see what's going on around you and go, I've got to get out of here. Come to your senses, the Word of God says. Whenever He says He's the bread of life, He'll take care of that hungering in your soul. And whenever He tells you He'll give you that spiritual water, He will take care of you. And it's time to lift the cup up and drink it and trust Him that when you do it, He's, he's going to take care of it. It's time to do that. Because He says, out of the belly, living water flows. 
the, the working of God's Spirit flowing right through our very souls. Brothers and sisters, this is real spiritual stuff. He's telling us something that, we, that can only happen supernaturally, spiritually. And it comes through trusting Him. So in conclusion, just a couple of closing thoughts here, three or four of them. The first one is, as I think about this and, and think about this sermon as I prepared about it, it occurred to me, this is the thing that's changed the way that I live my life. This is the thing that has changed the way that I view every opportunity. Man, life's full of opportunities, isn't it? I like to think that, that life is, man, you live your dreams and your opportunities and all of those things. But I just got to tell you that without spiritual water in the middle of it and flowing through there and that spiritual thirst being taken care of, you can go for all the dreams you want to. And it's not good enough. Your opportunities are going to be better. You know what? If, I, if I'm the creator, and I've said this before, if I'm the creator and I'm not, but if I was the creator and I knew how everything worked, and then I looked out there and everybody else is like going, I, I don't know how anything works really, except for what I learn with my 3% of brain capacity that a human has, at best, some less it seems like. <laughs> but, but anyway... Uh, and, and, and maybe maybe I'm less, I don't know. But I do know this. My Father knows everything. He created everything. You want your dreams and your opportunities and all of those things? Trust Him. He knows how it works. And He also knows what will get you in a mess. And so this has changed the way that I've lived my life. I've, I've started saying since I've tasted of this spiritual water and had this spiritual thirst quenched, and I've tasted it, I went, Wow! This is it. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm looking at you and you're, you're a preacher, so what? I'm going to tell you something, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Just getting to preach the Word of God behind a pulpit is a dream come true. Um, I've done the corporate thing, and I'm just telling you, this is it. But that's for me. That's the dream that God gave me. What's He giving you? Find it. Drink of the living water. That's for sure. And we need to show this testimony to everybody around. This is the testimony that people need to see. This is what the world is needing to see and hear and, and see in action, right? I'll never forget when the Holy Spirit showed up. As I heard the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit showed up and said, this is what you're thirsting for. This is what you're thirsting for. This is it. Do you remember that? Do you remember when Jesus saved you? His spirit came down as you heard the word of God. You went, oh my goodness. This is what I have been looking for. This is it. He says, then pick up the cup and drink it. Be born again. He died on the cross to pay for your sins. All you have to do is repent of your sins and say, I'm going to give you charge of it. I know that you paid for my sins. And I want to, I want to be born again. I want you in my life. I want that living water flowing through me. I want you working in my life. I give you control. I've made a mess of it. And ask that in Jesus' name. And that's what he does. He comes and floods our souls with that thirsting that it so desperately needs. And I, I'll never forget that day. How about you? Will you ever forget that day? Because the day that we forget that day is the day that we end up down with the pigs. And I have to be reminded of this sometimes. Sometimes I stray. Don't you? I have to be reminded, man... You're trying to fill your thirst with something that's not good enough. The offer of living water is available today. But this opportunity doesn't last forever. John 4.13 says this. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. That's the physical water, the things in this life, the things that we get through this world. But he says, but whoever drinks from the water that Jesus gives... Will give him that give, Jesus gives him will never get thirsty again. In fact, he says the water that he gives will give a well of water springing up in the soul eternally. There it is. Talk about sanctification. It talks about having the Spirit of God in control of our lives through God's Word and obedience. And then finally, Acts 4:12. The Word of God says there is salvation 
and no one else. For there was no one uh, other name under heaven given to people by which they must be saved. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Not just for the, the lost person in order to give them this living water, but for the Christian, it continues to flow, continues to flow and make a difference in our lives. Let's stand. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness and kindness. Lord, we thank you so much for the living water that changed our lives and cleaned our souls. And Father, we want to live in that truth and we want to live in that abundance. We want to live for you. We want to give you our lives every day and continue to have this living water uh, just flood through our souls, meaning that we walk with you. Father, I pray if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, Lord, I pray that your Spirit will convict their hearts right now and you will show them that you're offering this living water to them also. And they will never thirst again spiritually. It will be the thing that takes care of them forever because of your Son, Jesus who has died on the cross to pay for their sins and shed his blood, and then overcame death and is alive now, say, yes, I hear this request, and yes, I paid for it. Father, I pray that you will speak to their hearts right now and show them your spirit will speak to their hearts and show them they need this living water. We ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our morning service. If you reside in Midland or surrounding areas, we hope to see you in person. We are located at 1305 North Midland Drive, north of Cuthbert and south of the Andrews Highway. We are also distributing DVDs of the life of Jesus. If you would like a copy, send us an email with your return address. Our email address is ahbcmidland at suddenlymail.com. Have a great week, and may God bless.